Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 40 of Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to be looking at verses 18 and 19. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of the testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. And I'll stop reading there. Now, in our last study, we were looking at the last phrase of verse 18 that said, And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And we saw that uh, this word, the Greek word translated as destroy twice in this verse, uh, Strong's number 1311, is found only six times of uh, four other places outside this verse. And two of those times is translated as corrupt. We also saw in the book of Genesis in the time before the flood that God also speaks uh, using a Hebrew word concerning those that uh, bring corruption to the earth. It was in Genesis 6, in verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God. Now, this is um, Strong's number 7843, and it's translated as corrupt here and, in, and a few more times in this passage, but it's also often translated as destroy. And so we could read this, the earth also was destroyed before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And then in verse 12, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt were destroyed, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So they destroy the earth, they corrupt the earth. God then destroys them. He destroys them that destroy the earth, which is the very statement that we find in uh, Revelation eleven eighteen at the end of the verse, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. So we were, were on safe ground in seeing this connection, especially as we know that verse 18 of Revelation 11 is describing judgment day. It's the time of the dead that they should be judged. And the Genesis account, is going to give a historical example of Judgment Day. The flood is, yes, God pouring out his wrath and and destroying the world of that day uh, for their sin, but it's also, more than that, a type and a figure of Judgment Day. And and so uh, God uses the same language, and uh, we can see why he would 
make this tie-in because Judgment Day began May 21, 2011, which was exactly 7,000 years from the day of the flood and the day when God would destroy all flesh. As it says in Genesis six seventeen. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy, and again, that's that Hebrew word, 7843, all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. So the flood began on the 17th day of the second month, and God began to destroy them which destroy the earth. 7,000 years later, on a day, May 21, 2011, that had an underlying Hebrew calendar date of 217, precisely the date the flood began in the days of Noah, God begins to destroy them that destroy the earth. It, it's a, a very um, a careful connection the Lord is making, tying Judgment Day once again. We, we know that uh, he does this in many places, linking Judgment Day to the flood. And, and so when God began to judge the dead, the spiritually dead of the world, on that day, 7,000 years from the flood, he also began to destroy the people of the earth that had destroyed the earth or corrupted the earth. Well, uh, let's move on into verse 19 of Revelation chapter 11. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. Now, why would God talk about the the temple of God being opened in heaven and the ark seen in the temple at this point, in the context of the end of the world, of Judgment Day, the, the time when his wrath has come, the time of the dead that they should be judged, and then suddenly a switch to seeing the temple of God opened in heaven and the ark in the temple. What, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it actually has a lot to do with Judgment Day. But before we, we get into the details of this, let's Let's just uh, review something, and and that is in the New Testament, there are two main Greek words used for temple. And we don't see this, of course, in the English, because uh, either of these words is translated temple. And, and so as we're reading our King James Bible... And we read of the temple in one place and the temple in another place. We don't realize that it's actually two different Greek words. For instance, the word found here in uh, Revelation eleven nineteen for temple in, in both places, it's used twice, is a naos. It's Strong's number 3485, and it refers to the temple sanctuary wherein the Holy of Holies was found. And within the Holy of Holies would be the Ark of the Testament. For instance, this same Greek word, naos, is found in Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew 27, 
and verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And there the temple is naos. It's referring to the sanctuary where the the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and the ark would be there with the mercy seat covering it and and the incense would be clouding the room and he would offer the sacrifice once a year. Well, this this is very consistent. Naos refers to the sanctuary wherein was that holy of holies. On the other hand, the other Greek word commonly used for temple is hieron, hieron. And this is Strong's number 2411, and this word denotes the temple complex. In Matthew 24, it says in verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now here are the references to the buildings of the temple. It's the temple complex, it, uh, as the temple had several buildings. Um, and and it's not just the sanctuary, it is the, the whole temple area. Uh, we, we find in Mark 11 that Christ is encountering money changers in Mark 11, verse 15. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And all the references there... It is Hiron, 24.11, and it's referring to the temple complex. And if we didn't know the distinction between these two words, when it says Jesus went into the temple, we might think that's referring to the sanctuary, and that these men who were buying and selling were in the sanctuary. But it's not speaking of that. It's speaking of the temple grounds where where other buildings of the temple were, and people would enter into the temple grounds and and uh, and and if they had to make an offering or a sacrifice in order to get to the sanctuary, and 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 yet all the temple complex was considered holy. Uh, of course, the sanctuary was where the holy of holies was located where the sacrifices would be offered, but the whole temple grounds was something that was to be respected, and that's why Christ is angry and overthrowing the tables of the money changers and not allowing them to carry any vessel through the temple complex. And so it it is actually pretty important for us when we're reading the word temple in our English Bible to know which word it is. And that will help us to understand, is it the sanctuary or is it the overall grounds of the temple? 
and normally the context will help us and it, it's fairly consistent. I haven't seen any place where there was an overlap of some kind, so it's fairly consistent that Naos refers to the sanctuary and Herion to the temple complex. Well, now the, the temple, the word that refers to the sanctuary is the same word that God uses in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2 and verses 20 through 22. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now this is referring to, uh, maybe I should have read verse 19, which says, Ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built, referring to people. People are built upon the foundation of Christ. And when God saves or did save people, they were added to that building of the holy temple as God built up a spiritual house, as he says in Hebrews chapter 3. And he defines that house when he goes on to say, Whose house are we? God built a spiritual temple for his habitation. That's the purpose for saving his elect people, because it was always his intent to indwell the the body of Christ, or to, uh, to indwell this holy temple. And it's mysterious exactly what that means, but God had Israel build a temple. He commissioned Solomon to construct a temple in order to paint this picture of the building up of the body of believers to the point when the temple was complete. And, and then in, in the historical account in Second Chronicles and First Kings, once the temple was complete, the Ark of the Covenant would be carried and moved into the temple. And the ark's presence in the temple signified the presence of God and his habitation, just as it says here in Ephesians 2. Well, let's, let's read some of that in Second Chronicles chapter 5. And the first three verses, it says, Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of Jehovah was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of Jehovah out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast which was in the seventh month. So the temple was completed, and then Solomon had the Ark of the Covenant brought to the temple. 
And uh, it says in verse 4, And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark, and they brought up the ark in the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, these did the priests and the Levites bring up. Also, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark, sacrificed sheep and oxen which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of Jehovah unto his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark, and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves of the ark, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle, but they were not seen without, and there it is unto this day. And that is a a reference that we see uh, numerous times in the Old Testament where something will be said or done, and then the uh, statement is made, there it is unto this day, indicating an eternal principle is in view. And that's exactly what is going on here. The house of God is finished. The ark, which represents the presence of God, enters into the temple. It, it must be the temple because it's going into the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is in the sanctuary. And the ark goes inside the Holy of Holies. And the staves, the staves would uh, be used to carry the ark. And it's not going to be carried any longer. So they remove the staves. And there it is unto this day. That is forever and ever. It is God entering into his chosen people all those that have become saved, once he has saved the last one of them, then the presence of God enters in because he built them for an eternal habitation, as uh, Ephesians 2 told us. And in Second Chronicles 6, we read the very same thing in verse 2, where Solomon is moved to speak, But I have built a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. This, this again is emphasizing the spiritual uh, eternal principle that this is picturing God with his people forevermore. God dwelling in Zion. God, um, who will never leave nor forsake us Uh, as Uh, God does say when describing eternity to come that he will forever be with his people and there, there will never be separation between God and those that he has saved. Well, now this is why in Revelation 11, 19, in the context of judgment day, there no question about that. The previous verse, Verse 18 said, It is the time of the dead that they should be judged. Uh, And before that, the seventh angel sounded. The last trumpet sounded. 
and it is Judgment Day, and God is associating Judgment Day with the time that the temple of God, whose temple are we, the body of believers, is open in heaven. Now, how can we, if this is true, that this is referring to the body of believers, this temple, in the day of judgment, and here we are, a great multitude, the vast uh, part of that temple, are still alive and living on the earth. How can it be that the temple of God is opened in heaven and we're here? Well, remember, when anyone becomes saved, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And and so, in one way, all of God's elect are in heaven. And even though uh, we could still physically in our bodies be on the earth, we have our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And and so the, the temple is open in heaven and they're seen in his temple, the ark of his testament. God has entered into the body of believers. He has entered into the elect at the point of judgment day. When judgment day comes, God is indwelling. He has finally entered into that habitation, which will be an eternal habitation of dwelling within all of his people. And so uh, that's the wonderful picture that God is giving us here. Let's just look at one more thing in relationship to this. In Revelation 15, we find similar language in verse 5. And after that, I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle, the testimony in heaven, was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four uh, living creatures gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. And here again, it's it's judgment day. It's the day of the wrath of God. And the temple suddenly comes into view. The the, uh, temple of the tabernacle. Of the testimony, the testimony is another name for the ark because it carried the the tables of the covenant, the, the testimony, the word of God within. And it, it's the temple, the tabernacle, the testimony in heaven is open and out comes the seven messengers and they are given the seven vials full of the wrath of God and and then the temple is filled with smoke from the glory of God. That is, the wrath of God is in evidence in the temple, that the body of believers, the judgment on the world is that the temple is completed. There is no more salvation available for anyone any longer. And this is the information God's messengers, his true believers, who are a part of that temple, they 
will distribute, they will pour out upon the earth, they will share these things because the seven messengers are referring to the the children of God that are still living and in the world throughout the, the period of Judgment Day. We We see the historical tie-in or the historical uh, reference that Revelation 15 is building upon in Second Chronicles 5, where, where we were reading, and in uh, verse 11, it says, And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, and where is the holy place found? In the sanctuary, which is the temple. So the priests came out of the temple. When the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them, of Asap, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen. And if you read Revelation 15 closely, you'll find that the seven messengers are clothed in white having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets, came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking Jehovah. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised Jehovah, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of Jehovah, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of Jehovah had filled the house of God. So here we see the historical uh, scene is the house of Solomon built is completed. The ark is carried into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and then the priests come out of the holy place. And just as the seven messengers come out of the temple in Revelation 15, they come out and then the house is filled with a cloud, just as the, the temple's filled with smoke in Revelation 15. And the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of Jehovah filled the house of God. No man is able to enter into the temple. Whose temple are we? The temple that was built by Christ for an eternal habitation. Judgment Day is a time when the servants of God, we are prophets, priests, and kings, the priests come out of the temple, the seven messengers come out of the temple to fulfill one last task for um, for the Lord, which is to pour out the seven vials of the seven last plagues, during which time it is being poured out, no man is able to enter into the temple. And that, uh, sadly, and uh, again refers to no more salvation. The end of God's salvation program has come, and he's no longer saving, no longer adding to that holy temple in the Lord. It, it is complete. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. 
You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.